The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. to a special episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. We are only two days removed as we are recording this from AEW Revolution 2021. My name is Austin Sumwitz and I am the host of this lovely, lovely podcast. Joining with me as always is my good friend Floyd Johnson Jr. who, as you all know, was at AEW Revolution at Daily's Place for the event. Floyd, how was your trip and how you doing now? Dude, uh amazing road trip. Uh had uh like I didn't, the first drive down there, I did all 20 hours, just drove it all on the way back. Got a little help from my friend of mine. It was great, but it was good to be out of town. I have to worry about work, hang with uh friends that I don't normally see. And yeah, it was it was uh it was a great time. Uh you know, uh, just Jacksonville in general. It was my fourth time there, so not a lot of surprises when it comes to Jacksonville for me, but when I see how other people react to it, it's always pretty cool. But, yeah, I really did enjoy the show, and, yeah, I'll tell you more as we get through. Yep, and we are not just us two for this episode. We have a new special guest, the guest that we have tonight, was in the building with Floyd at AEW Revolution this weekend. He is the co-host of the Grave Co- Graves Consequences. Sorry, I'm going to say that again just so I don't ruin it. The Graves Consequences podcast on the Social Suplex uh, just whole group. We have Caleb Baldwin. Caleb, how you doing, man? Man, I am doing great. And yeah, Grave Consequences every Thursday morning at 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Those of you that are Prince Puma fans can probably figure out why that is the time we make the show available for download. Uh, as Floyd mentioned, rode in a car for – I rode in a car for 18 hours with him, you know, one way, so 36 hours combined. You really get to know someone when you're in a, you're in a car with them for 36 hours over <laughs> the span of, what, four days? And uh, I think our our bond is stronger than ever. And I was so excited to be in Jacksonville and to experience um, all the good and even the comically bad of AEW Revolution. One more thing, real quick. Saw Neptune. Be- went to Neptune Beach. Saw the ocean. Amazing, beautiful, and uh, yeah, ten out of ten experience for sure. 
Yeah. All right. Yeah, I just I want to say great guest. The people I had with me were really awesome. Just really, really enjoyed it. And yeah, um, that trip, I, I it, it, Caleb only lives two and a half hours away from me. And every time I tell him to come down to visit, he always talks about how long the trip is. And I think he 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 said as we were rolling in to his town on the seventeenth hour of our trip uh, that he has a new concept of time. So hopefully he'll come down and visit a little more often. Nice. Yeah, we will definitely figure something out. All right. So I mean, as we alluded to, and as probably everybody who watched the show knows there's one thing specifically that everyone's focused on the show and we're going to get to that we're just going to make you wait listen to the rest of the show we'll get to the main event when the main event comes but we're obviously this show is focused completely about AEW revolution we'll be doing a short little preview of AEW dynamite that will be airing tomorrow as we're recording this but most likely today when you guys hear this episode but before we get into the show, I want to make sure you're downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating and a review. If you listen to us on Spotify, share us around with your friends. If you're so inclined to, you could also be an amazing person and leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. If you want to support us on social media, we are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex are the guys that make the shows like this, like the Grave Consequences podcast, all the shows possible. I am at SZumer4. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And Caleb, where can people find you and your podcast on social media? Follow me at I am Caleb B. Uh, Grave Consequences podcast account doesn't tweet, but GC underscore cast is the account for that. Also, real quick, I do another podcast on the side outside of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. It's called Eddie and Caleb Zerocast. It's focused on hero movies. We go in chronological order. We're in the 2000s right now. The X-Men episode is dropping this week. You can follow us at EC EC underscore hero, and that show drops every Wednesday night right after AEW Dynamite, for what it's worth. Yes, they just don't cover... All heroes. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. When are you <laughs> yeah. going to get to Wolverine? X-Men, X-Men Origins Wolverine. When are you get into that? Why, why would you want to know that? I heard that movie is awful from everything That's I understand. That's the main reason why I want to hear it from you. That's the main reason. <laughs> uh, well, we'd be looking at, honestly, about a year. Oh, yeah, because there's just too many, I feel like. Yeah, well, we, yeah, when you hit the 2000s, like it's it's like anywhere from like four to seven movies a year and sometimes more as well so but there's a lot of movies but he's not getting to all the movies <sighs> yeah doing our no i'm just saying doing our i just so people know what i'm talking about i'm not leaving you out in the dark we'll go right into the preview after this i've been giving him shit because i've asked the question is harry potter a superhero movie and after badgering him I wouldn't say he agreed, but he started disagreeing less. And yeah, but they still aren't going to do it on their show, which is nope. crap because Harry Potter is the greatest. Spam tweet him about it. <laughs> Absolutely. No, do ah, okay. Now, <laughs> now, thank you. Thank you, Austin. Now there will be a tweet every day about this. Oh, my God. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Caleb. Oh Hope God. you're having a fun time. <laughs> Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, obviously, the big news of the week is AEW Revolution. We're not going to spend too much time. We're just going to get straight into the pay-per-view. We'll start off real quickly with the buy-in, which was Thunder Rosa and Riho teaming up to face off against Dr. Britt Baker. And we were 
we thought it was going to be Rebel. We thought, no, they might swap her out. And they did end up swapping her out because they she got a doctor's note. And taking her place was Maki Ito! Oh, my God. Huh. The moment I saw her in the tournament, I was like, I need a crowd when she does her entrance. And I got that. And I'm so happy that I got that because I'm, I'm telling you, like, there's just something about her that just everybody can get behind. Um, this opening match was solid, I feel like. I mean, it was it was a buy-in match, so we knew not to expect too much. I think we were more just thrilled that we got to see Maki Ito wrestle. Her and Riho did really well against each other, too. Thunder Rosa's obviously amazing, and Britt's great. The match finished ob- uh, after... Rebel uh, dropped her crutches and jumped onto the apron because, oh, she wasn't hurt. I can't believe it. The doctor's note was a sham. She dropped, jumped on the apron to distract Thunder Rosa. And then after that, uh, Rebel accidentally got hit by uh, Britt Baker. Uh, but she was still able to get Thunder Rosa with her crutch. And then with that opportunity, she rolled up and pinned Thunder Rosa for the win for Maki Ito and Dr. Britt Baker. And that was the buy-in. Um, we'll go to Caleb first on this one. Um Thoughts on Maki Ito being the surprise uh, team partner for Britt Baker, and thoughts on this buy-in match. So, okay, full disclosure, I am not as big a wrestling fan as I once was at one point in time, and so this was the first I had seen of Maki Ito, but just seeing how people reacted to her, be it Floyd to my left, my co-host Eddie to my right, and just the crowd in general, like I could tell like people have an affinity for her, uh, right up to the point when she flipped off the crowd and just just seeing the the passion that people have towards Maki Ito it, it's uh, it drew me in honestly having no frame of reference whatsoever on her um, but just the whole J-pop thing and the double birds and the, the passion from the crowd at Daly's place like I drawn to Maki Ito I thought the match was fine uh, the finish got, of course, Rebel misrepresenting Oklahoma with her with her nefarious actions. That's a shame. But again, match was fine. And uh, that's really most of what I took from that. Yes. Well, she actually appropriately re- represented Oklahoma because she cheated. And we are the Sooner yeah. State. And Sooners are a bunch of cheaters. So, uh, yes, if you if you ever understand the history, you'll know that it's true. But, uh, yes, no, I, fair I am a simp for Maki Ito. And as we know, simping ain't <laughs> easy. So I came out and I was really, I was, I mean, I, I popped loud because I was, I didn't know who they were going to have. I, I had guests like Awesome Kong, maybe Deanna Perrazzo. I had all these names. And then it was like, okay, the answer was the simplest answer. How about bring out the most over woman from the Japanese tournament, which was Maki Ito. I was yelling. I was happy dancing, dancing along to her music, even though I can't dance. I am part of the rhythm list nation. So, uh, yeah, but it was still fun. I enjoyed the match. Uh, enjoyed the Maki Ito is undefeated with me in the building. One perfect one and oh. That was a great I, – I really enjoyed the first match. The first surprise of the night was, like, I was good. I was good after that. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think there's much to talk about other than that because I think the focus was just the fact that Maki Ito showed up, which was amazing. And, yeah, you should tweet Maki Ito about that and be like, hey, I'm your good luck charm. Absolutely. She can't win in Jacksonville without me. Just that simple. There you go. 
well, I mean, it, it can't be disproven up until it, it does. So at this point, it can't be disproven. But we then opened the actual show. I was a little bit disappointed. Um, I don't know if you guys were, but not. There wasn't like a elaborate video package for the show or like whatnot. I was actually kind of surprised they just like cut to the ring as soon as uh, the uh, like the disclaimer was gone. I was kind of surprised by that. I don't know if I was the only one. Oh no, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that was that was just me. I don't know if anybody else at home was. If you were, if you were, you can tweet the podcast and tell us. That was just something I was like, huh. Uh, maybe I'm spoiled by the WWE openings. I don't know. But we opened hot out the gate with the AEW World Tag Team Championship match between the Young Bucks and the Inner Circle members, Demo God, Chris Jericho, and MJF. Great heel work uh, from Jericho and MJF. I especially love the point where they, I want to say they lifted up uh, Matt and they were just holding him up in a suplex and just holding him in the air and then proceeded to flip the crowd off with each with one hand and then went back for the with the suplex, which was great. There was a lot of great moments. I still love uh, the tandem offense and shout out to the Motor City Machine Guns. Anytime they do that finish, I'm always so happy when they do that. Um, and I felt like it was a really strong opening, even though the fact that like I think we all kind of were like, there's no way. Like I, This was one of the matches that I felt like was really predictable. Um, but I did thought maybe... Maybe Sammy Guevara would show up, but I was like, probably like, man, now they want to make this a, like a, a solid, clean finish. Um, eventually, um, Wardlow got up on the apron and Jericho accidentally hit Wardlow with the Judas effect. So we had two matches in a row that had like an inverted attack on uh, someone's manager. Um, after that, the BTE triggered to Jericho and then they uh, they super kicked the shit out of MJF and Jericho, like just over and over and over and over again. And then they hit the Meltzer driver on Jericho that got the pin and the, the young bucks retained their titles. And then um, uh, Jericho would make an announcement about the inner circle later on in the show that we will talk about, but opening match, obviously out of the gate, how was the crowd guys from your, from your end? And uh, we'll go to Caleb first um, thoughts on this opening match. Okay, well, the crowd was fire throughout 90% of this match. Um, I, I loved it. I really enjoyed it. Um, I did think it was a little finisher kick-out-y, but I kind of expect that out of a Young Bucks match. But one spot that really stuck out to me was when Jericho was going for the lion salt and he took the double super kicks to the midsection. That just looked, oh, so painful. Um, I'm not surprised they went the way they went. Uh, I didn't think it was super predictable, but it is also a means to an end. I don't think the inner circle is much longer for this world, but I guess we'll see where things go from here. Yes. Um, as far as thoughts on the match, thought the match was amazing. It was kind of everything I thought it would be. Uh, Young Bucks do the thing and they get the win. I mean, the thing with uh, MJF, they don't really allow his storylines to breathe. They they pretty much go to it. Like if he's going to screw you over, he generally does it fairly quickly. If he's, you know, so it looks like we're getting to that with him and Jericho as it is. But, uh, yeah, you know what? This whole show, if you listen to this whole show last week, our preview of the show, Austin can attest, this show was really predictable. I literally only missed one thing on the whole show. Just saying, give it up to myself because I'm amazing. But uh, yeah, I loved MJF, Chris Jericho. The best thing in sports or wrestling right now to me 
is singing along to uh, Judas when Jericho comes out. And it's not just the whole song. It's when they stop the music and people keep singing the words. It's just, to me, like the best thing in wrestling. It's like the closest thing to being like at a college football or football game. It's just really cool. It's got perfect crowd participation, honestly. It just works really, really well. But going into the next match was the Casino Tag Team Royal, where the winning winning team would get a shot at the AEW World Tag Team Champions. Um, the teams that were involved, I'll just go down the list of every team that was in. Bear Country, Dark Order, Alex, in, Alex Reynolds and John Silver, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, and then we went to uh, Inner Circle, Santana and Ortiz, Butcher and Blade, Private Party, Gun Club, Jesus Christ, um, Natural Nightmares, Dark Orders, 10 and 5, Death Triangle, Pack and Ray Phoenix, The Sidels, Jurassic Express with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, Varsity Blondes, Pretty Peter Avalon and Cesar Bononi, and SCU with CD and Frankie Kazarian. There were a couple of storyline moments in this show, uh, specifically um, QT Marshall uh, accidentally eliminated... Uh, I believe it was the guns and Dustin was like, what the hell they were nightmare nightmare family members. And QT was like, it's every man for himself. And then just got so mad at Dustin that he just up and eliminated himself. Um, we also had uh, a couple other small moments. I loved actually how bear country actually got a decent amount of uh, stuff. Um, there was um, great, once again, great performances from Luchasaurus. Um, I know there was a few other ones. The fine, I loved how the final four included um, John Silver, Ray Phoenix, Pack, and uh, Jungle Boy. I think they're really doing a great job of giving Jungle Boy a shine. They really have a lot of faith in him, um, and I, it, it seemed like they were going to go the route of Death Triangle being eliminated both by Jungle Boy, and it almost went that way, but. Uh, Phoenix was able to eliminate Jungle Boy and get the win for Death Triangle, which I I feel like is the right move just because like we haven't seen Death Triangle in a hot minute and like it was a real wonder of how long they would last and like they were really trying to make sure that they got them fresh in everybody's minds. Plus, I mean, Pac and Ray Phoenix are two of the best wrestlers in the company. A match between them and the Young Bucks is just going to be like crazy good. So, thoughts on this? Casino Battle Royal will go to Caleb. Well, thank you. Uh, I really did dig this Battle Royal. Um, I thought, you know, that Final Four you mentioned, probably the four hottest guys in the match, so it makes sense to go that route. Uh, they did a lot for Jungle Boy here. Even though him and Luchasaurus didn't win, they did a lot for him. This is going to go a long way in his character development, in my opinion. Uh, I would also like to point out one spot that um, really cracked me up. They make fun of it on BTE, but uh, Evil Uno's elimination, where he just ran into the post, that was that was a uh, that was something. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was definitely something. That was the most delayed reaction ever on a Hurricane Rana that I've ever seen. But I'd rather him just not sold it at all, actually. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, he just stands there and he's like, "The fuck was that?" And then someone else just comes and kicks him. Yeah, so yeah, that would so, that would be fine, honestly. But it did. <laughs> I mean, like, it's live TV. Yeah, live. it didn't ruin the match or anything. But like I said, it just kind of made me chuckle. It, yeah, it, it was pretty funny. Very funny spot. I thought this battle royal was great. 
uh, lots of energy. Uh, I gave he gave you know with the countdown. You love a good countdown. That's when you can almost guarantee crowd participation. It's like oh you know like a little bit of a Royal Rumble, and they really didn't say all the teams that were going to be in it before. So you're like okay, so who else is coming? And who else is coming? And who else is coming? So I I thought that was really quick. Uh, I didn't like how they didn't announce who got eliminated when they got eliminated. Yeah, I was kind of confused why they didn't do that either. Yeah, because like we we watched for like ten minutes. I was like, oh, and I started pointing out people that we saw come out that was no longer there, and that's the only way we knew who got eliminated. We were like, oh, both sides are gone. Yeah, and it was just it was weird. But yeah, I really enjoyed the last three. Uh, with uh, Ray Phoenix, it, it went all went all faces, which is something that really never happens on a battle royal. So you didn't have to worry about somebody standing outside and waiting towards the end. The fact that they didn't do that in this battle royal also made me love it because it had been kind of an overused trope in their previous battle royals. There was no no person waiting outside to the very end, and you know Ray Phoenix just knocked out Jungle Boy and Pac was already outside so he jumps in and they hug each other and it was awesome I I mean honestly this I'm telling you right now Pac and Ray Phoenix versus the Young Bucks is my favorite tag team match this year not including FTR I can already say it before they even step in the ring yeah and I also think too um, it definitely would have been nice if uh, well, how was I going to put this? Um, it definitely would have been nice if, um, like you said, what you, if they would have announced... Um, I don't know if they should have announced each member getting eliminated because I think that would have been overkill, but or, yeah, definitely they should have announced um, or put it on, getting eliminated. Or put it on the board and show it on screen. <laughs> Something. Something. Yeah, just like have it scroll at the bottom as soon as they get eliminated. So it was just like it was. Just, I know if you were watching on TV, it was very easy to keep up with. You had a uh, you had the commentators telling you who got eliminated, but in person, it was not easy to keep up with because if you're paying attention to one side of the ring or whatever, and someone gets eliminated on the other side of the ring, you literally have no idea what happened. Which also, considering the fact that you guys were live, you didn't get to uh, experience this that fans realized very early on on the show, and I'm sure you saw it on Twitter when the show was going on. JR's voice was gone from the moment he sat down at the desk. And he he tried to fight through it. It was very noticeable. He he brought it up after the first match like I'm going to get through it. I apologize. Um but I will say despite the fact that his voice was shot for pretty much like the first 30 minutes or so of the show, I want to say maybe maybe 40. Um it healed up relatively quickly going into the night though cuz it seemed like it just went away. Someone offered him a lozenge or something. I don't know. But I mean, yeah, I and like I I didn't want to I saw people being like I saw a couple tweets that said, "Oh my god, JR's washed." And I'm like, "Let's pump the brakes on that a little bit. <laughs> His voice was gone. Like it's it happens to every broadcaster i feel like in sports like it's just sometimes your voice goes out at the worst time and it's just like you walk out there you realize your voice is shot and it's live so you got to just get through it so i don't think the calls for jr being washed up i think were well overblown but i know you guys didn't get to hear that because you were at the show you are correct <laughs> I, I i correct i didn't i haven't watched the i haven't watched it back on video i really did want this to be just my pure in 
from inside the building reaction. So when I do watch it back, I will probably have to fight through that. You'll notice it from the second he sits down. But again, like I said, like after two matches, all of a sudden it just up and vanished. So, I mean, like I was glad that he was able to get over it um, and continue to call the show. We then had a small little backstage segment with Paul White, and there was just a little secret about a hint of the big signing that Paul White made. And the only thing he said was, I don't think anyone can outwork him. And then he just walked away. And we'll get into that, who it actually was in a bit. But first, AEW women's title match, Hikaru Shida versus the winner of the Women's World Title Eliminator Tournament, Ryo Mizunami. Um, these two beat the hell out of each other, and I thought it was a really solid match. The only critique I had about this match was, honestly, I felt like it was maybe two or three false finishes too many. Because at a certain point like in the match, I was like, you could have wrapped this up a couple false finishes ago, and it would have been, been a much stronger match, I feel like. And that, I just felt like, because like, they did really well, there was great... Um, like physicality in the matches i love especially when they just started smacking each other and they were just enjoying it like these two have fought each other multiple times and they just know what to expect and there's just this real friendly competition between the two so i love that spot but again if you were to like finish the match maybe like like i said two three maybe four false finishes ago i think it would have been remembered as a lot stronger it just kind of felt like the extra false finishes made the match drag a little bit but after the match was over and she got the pin, um, Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero, Vicky Guerrero came into the ring and they ambushed Hikaru Shida and Ryo Mizunami. Britt Baker, Rebel, and Maki Ito then jumped on them. And of course, Rebel, still not using that crutch. Man, I, that doctor's note was a complete fraud. Um, Thunder Rosa then came out and she came to Shida and Mizunami's uh, rescue and this would lead into one of the matches that we will cover in the preview for this week's AEW Dynamite. So, Paul, first up, thoughts on this women's title match? I mean, uh, Caleb, I why did just... I say Paul? Why did I say Paul? My apologies. I had Paul White. Uh, Caleb. I was going to say, I think you had Big Show on the brain. I did um... have Big Show on the brain. I just talked about him like two minutes ago. I'm so sorry. Hey, don't worry about it. If someone wants to confuse me with the Big Show, I'm not going to stop him. Uh... <laughs> This this match was this match was fine, but uh, note from uh, having seen it live, it seemed like by and large the crowd just was not into it, man. Again, I thought this match was perfectly fine, but the lack of crowd participation certainly didn't help. Yeah, um, that was the well, that was what I was going to talk about. Um, first of all, you just came off of a hot action heavy battle royal. Uh, I don't, I, I like to really come with, I like to try to come with solutions, but maybe have this match before the Battle Royal, maybe have the tag team match and then this match and then the Battle Royal. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just know uh, big parts where I don't think anyone thought the, uh, thought the result was in doubt. I think most people were on the sheet is absolutely going to win this match. And I don't really think the work in the match did anything to make you believe Sheeta was actually in peril at any point. Also, I don't think Ryo Mizunami was built up very strong. One of her wins for the people that were paying attention, one of her wins was by countout. It was just like, and I think she rolled up somebody for a win. And it was just like, it didn't look dominant. You, it, it felt like it was just a placeholder match. And unfortunately, with the women's division, 
it is not given that base level of respect and excitement most matches in AEW are given. So you have to work a little harder to make the fans care and pay attention. And unfortunately, a lot of people went to the bathroom. A lot of people were on their phones, just me looking around a little bit. Even I had a problem paying attention just because I never thought Cheetah was going to lose. I mean, it was a decent enough match. They worked real hard and got the crowd more into it by the end of the match. But this is one time I can actually say James Boyd is right, and I actually agree with him. The match was great. The crowd sucked. And I think, honestly, that just goes into the fact that, like like you said, um, a lot of Ryo Mizunami's performances, while she did good in matches, like you said, she won by count-out, she won by roll-up. They like if, if for a tournament like there's gotta be like a real presence of somebody being a genuine threat, and I think like it's like and it's weird it's like if they would have went with somebody more familiar like Yuka Sakazaki or if they went with the the new hot favorite in Maki Ito, honestly I think it could have added a lot to this women's titles match. And despite the fact that like yes we saw her at Double or Nothing, there wasn't a lot of crowd familiarity with her. Like I said back when I. We were covering the opening rounds of the tournament. I forgot she was at, at uh, Double or Nothing. Yeah, I genuinely forgot. People barely reacted to her then. So it was just like there was no reason to have emotional investment in her winning or losing. You didn't care because you, you kind of felt like she was going to lose anyway. And again, yeah, like you said, like because she like had those performances where the finishes were not one like decisively and because of the fact that there wasn't a lot of familiarity with her and you're like they're not going to strap the title on somebody that the fans don't have a strong enough connection of who she is then yeah like i I totally understand as to why the crowd wasn't into this and like i said before like even from home uh, i was enjoying the match i felt it went on a little too long with the false finishes and again i there was no point in my mind where i was like she does losing this match there was just no point yeah, I don't. I don't want to get the pressure of the stopwatch geeks out there that say, you know, if, if the match doesn't last that long, women didn't have enough time. I thought this match, like, I felt like it went great at a time in the building because I wasn't into it at first, and then you saw a few spots, a few hard hits towards the middle, towards the end, and then I was like, okay, you could even tell, like. Me and Kayla were kind of talking, and we kind of stopped talking and watching the match. And it was like they kind of got us at that point. And if, like, generally the point of that they got me is where I usually start with base in most matches. So they got me to pay attention, and the end came out. So that looked cool, and then, you know, what happened afterwards. But we'll get into the next match. We had uh – the tag team grudge match between Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor versus Miro and Kip Sabian. Before the match started, uh, Marvez was interviewing Chuck Taylor in OC, and then Miro and Kip jumped him, which, Marvez, you got to do better at your acting, man. I'm sorry. Like, you were like, oh, no, watch out! Something, like, something along the lines of that. I was like, Marvez, I, a little bit more energy from you. I'm begging you, please, for the love of God. <laughs> but after that, um, the match ended up coming out with Chuck Taylor, um, he was out to the ring uh, after Miro threw him into the ring, and Chuck was like, I want to continue with this match. OC was not there, uh, so pretty much it was a two-on-one match from that point. Kip Sabian and Miro beat the hell out of Chuck Taylor, but eventually, um, after a, a knee from uh, Chuck Taylor, 
Orange Cassidy came out of the entrance tunnel and he proceeded to nail Miro on the ramp with the uh, orange punch. And they they did really well together. Um, I, the spot where um, Penelope Ford got hit, I was like, oh, sh- I caught me off guard. Like, even though that spot has been done, this was their third time having a manager get knocked off of the of the apron, which I will point out. Um, I don't want to like read too much into it or anything like that. But that like let that you can make your mind up on that uh, that little factoid. But I was still caught off guard because Penelope took a bump off of that though. Um, but eventually Miro, because it was Miro who shoved Orange Cassidy into Penelope. And then from that point, uh, that was able for Miro to get the game over submission on Chuck Taylor and forced him to tap. I felt like this was one of those matches where Miro actually looked like a legitimate threat. And like I said, he just fucking just was like, I don't care. I'm winning this match. And literally like Penelope got fucked up just because he was just trying to win the match. But I, th- I think this match did wonders for Miro. I want to see him continue to grow and become just a pure monster. I, he's one of the guys I really want to succeed in AEW. And, yeah, I, I don't really have much else to say on this match. It was it was good, I felt like, but nothing, like, outright insanely special. But, Caleb, I got your name right. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> what thoughts on this match? Okay, well, this match was... I don't know, man. I, I wasn't a huge fan. Uh, I thought Miro did just fine. Uh, Orange Cassidy shined pretty well. I will, as you pointed out, this was the third time we had a manager bumped off an apron. To me, and I don't want to harp on it, but that's not good quality control. But you know, that aside, I thought this match, you know, could have taken it or, le- or left it. But I mean, we got a good Miro win, and we got another beat in the Miro story, and hopefully. This will lead to Miro splitting away from Kip Sabian. Uh, my yeah. my opinion, this was the best dynamite match on the card. Hey. No, yeah, it was like, why wasn't this on Wednesday? It, this was not a. I don't feel like this was a pay per view level match. I love Orange Cassidy. I I do. I love what energy he brings, especially from a crowd participation point of view. But uh, uh yeah. This match just rang. Why is this on the pay per view? Like, oh, and like, and it's funny because we did watch the whole match. It wasn't like we were ignoring it. We watched the whole match. It was just okay. It was kind of a vehicle to get Rusev over, and it worked out. Uh, uh, he's he he got his heart broken by Chucky e. T, and it seems he it, that really damaged him. Uh, Penelope getting knocked down. Maybe that builds decision between Kip Sabian and Miro going forward. But again, I I mean the point of the match was to make Miro look like a monster. They did do that, and maybe he will be separating from Kip Sabian in the future. All right. Now we can get into, uh, before we get into the big money match, we will say they did say there's going to be some changes for the inner circle. Jericho said they're going to have like a little powwow, I guess, or as they called it, their war council. Um, So that will be taking place on Dynamite. They announced that when Jericho and MJF were backstage. Um, We now have the big money match between Hangman Adam Page and Big Money Matt. Um, You cannot tell me that Hangman is not one of the top people in that company just because I feel there's just so much genuine like fanfare behind people being hot behind hangman matt did really well i loved how um honestly like the little assist from private party for him to come out was good and then eventually when dark order came out to save hangman it was great um i especially 
loved the finish where Hangman gets knocked off the apron, caught by all of the inner circle, pushed back up onto the apron, and then in perfect position for the buckshot lariat, which then got the pin. Um, and when he was embraced by the, um, well, all of inner circle came in. The, I mean, not inner circle, uh, dark order came out and they were like cheering for him and hangman went in for a little group hug. The pop was tremendous. I felt like, I mean, you guys were there, so you can, you can uh, be the judges of that. I was overjoyed with that. We need to get to a point where it's official that, um, he's in the dark order and, he leads the dark order. I say, I say. Besides negative one. Besides negative one, because I feel like in all of our hearts he's the true leader. But yeah, that that needs to be a thing. I think. But Caleb, uh, how were people on <laughs> this match? Oh my god! I thought okay, this match, in my opinion, I did not really get into it until about the last few minutes. Basically, until Private Party showed up and then the Dark Order. But I thought that finish, again, with the catch from the Dark Order into the Buckshot Lariat, beautiful, amazing. The crowd loved the group hug. And um, for what it was, I appreciate the vehicle. Okay, I appreciate what they were doing here because they got they, – they're getting Hangman over. They're continuing to get Hangman over. And I think this is just one stop in the road to get the belt on the Hangman page in about six months at about all out. Yeah, I can totally see that. Cause I feel like now, especially before when they were saying Hangman was going to be the first AEW champion, the want for him to be champion now is stronger than it ever was before. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we needed at this fever pitch. Uh, we needed at a fever pitch. It's, it's getting close to there. I do like Hangman in the spot that he he's in. Because uh, he's really hot and he's clearly the crowd favorite. Uh, building a face, building an over face is tougher than you may think because people will, like, if you take, if you give them the belt too quick, people say it's too soon. If you take too long, people won't care. So you got to find that right spot with it. And it's just like maybe building, like, at this point, might be just time to start building up to. I'm not saying double or nothing, but probably all out. It's probably time to start building up till all out, slowly but surely, with Hangman getting bigger and bigger wins as we get there. But the match was great. Matt Hardy did his exact job, you know, and he did the King. I sneezed. Kingmaker thing on. Uh, he did a Kingmaker thing in a different way. Uh, they, you know, with, uh, private party coming out, uh, I can honestly say I've learned that Kenny Omega is the only face in this company with friends. And that's awesome. That makes them a powerful entity is being the only face in a company that has friends. When you said Kenny Omega, did you mean hangman? Hangman. Or was it? Yeah, yeah. that was a clear <laughs> misspeak. Hangman page is the only person in the company that has friends, we, okay. which we will learn out. We will learn later in the night that he's the only face in the company that anybody comes to help. All right. Now, face of the revolution ladder match. We had Cody Rhodes, um, Murderhawk Monster, Lance Archer, Penta El Zero Miedo, Scorpio Sky, Platinum Max Cassiter, and the surprise competitor, 
to a lot of people's uh, predictions, it was all ego Ethan Page. Now, I feel like there was just way too, like, I felt like everyone was like, this is the guy who's going to be there. And they're like, oh, look at this. Uh, okay. I, want, I, I understand that everybody was right at the match. But Austin, who called it first? That would be you, my friend. Yes, I said, I called it before we knew there was going to be a surprise guest. I said, there will be a surprise guest, and then there will be Ethan Page. They then announced that it was going to be a surprise guest, and then announced that it was Ethan Page. I, I beat everybody by a step. Mic drop, that's all. Yes, obviously. Put some respect on Floyd's name. Exactly. Now, this match had a lot of stuff in it. Obviously, we had a really great spot where uh, literally Lance Archer just got flattened in between a ladder. I mean, it had Penta, who was just kicking the living shit out of people and just slapping them across. Um, there was also um, Cody did relatively well. Um, though the fact is that he was getting tended by um, by the uh, he got injured and then they took him up the ramp and then into the uh, the face tunnel. Um, and on camera, you could see him at all times getting tended. I don't know why he was just <laughs> sitting in the tunnel. By with all the guys there because it was honestly a bit of a distraction because of the fact that he was just there and he was constantly on view on hard cam was I was like why is he just not gone all the way up there I mean we know he's gonna come back and fight why in the earth are, is he just standing there like we like it made it didn't make any sense but he came back he had great fire it was it was fine um and uh for also the whole thing was for a brass ring hardy har har um insider knowledge yeah 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 um don't know what else you want to say about that. But um, I I thought Ethan Ethan Page did really well. I was really uh, I was really glad he was there, even though it was pretty well predictable as Floyd has shown you all. Um, I honestly I was just I was just straight up happy that Scorpio Sky won it because man did I want to see him succeed in this match because it just it just it just seemed right because I, I loved how like last week on Dynamite he was getting a bit of a chip on his shoulder. I loved how he was just like starting to really feel himself and he was getting a little bit arrogant and it's been great to see him win this match. I like this little, little turn towards, I'm assuming it's going to be a heel for Scorpio and I want to see him just go run rough shot because he's way too talented to not be getting opportunities like this. So this is a good bounce back, especially after there were weeks where we're just like, what happened to Scorpio sky? I thought we were pushing him. So it was good to see him get this big moment, but we'll go to Caleb thoughts on the ladder match. Okay, so real quick, um, it took me like 12 hours to turn around on Max Caster because me and Floyd watched AEW Dark on Sunday morning in the hotel, and I like really wasn't impressed by his battle rap, or his freestyle, pardon me. And then he came out, he did his rap where you know he mentions Lola Bunny, he talks Cuomo, he talks uh, Dr. Seuss, very topical stuff here, and it flowed really well. And I was like, okay, I, I can see the potential here for sure and then of all things i believe he actually kissed pentagon's hand when Pentag when they were both on the ladder I so that, see that yes i was like i'm like that was that was pretty interesting like, as well what? uh nice to see all ego ethan page here in aew um good to see, good to see him on major television he has worked like hell to look like what he does look like today and as someone who is going through a minor body transformation himself that is admirable I remember meeting him four years ago at an, at, at an Evolve show, and he was a uh, he was a uh, he was a big boy. He was a big boy at the time. 
Um, glad to see Scorpio get the win for sure. The heel turn, I think, is coming. And I wouldn't be surprised if whenever they do have the title match, if Scorpio does get the win and we can see where things go from there. But overall, this match was great. Maybe it was a little long in the tooth, but I thought it was very good. Yes, this match disappointed me because it was the first match, which I was that other W word, the opposite of right. I don't like to say it. Uh, Ethan Page looks strong. It looks like he's going back to the Ethan Page previous to the North where he was just a a monster dick to everybody and didn't like anybody. Uh, I think he hit that uh, powerbomb on the ladder, which was cool. Uh, Cody, I had a feeling something like the uh, him going out for a long period of time would happen because of, you know, he is wrestling with the shoulder. But, you know, they didn't take it easy on him. He took some pretty big bumps in in the match. Pentagon was super over to the point where at the end I thought, you know, I thought he was going to win. But every time he got to the top of the ladder, it was like he didn't know someone might be coming behind him because he would do the Sarah Romero thing and, you know, then he get pulled down. It was kind of, it was just something I noticed. It was like, I think he had the most times where he was on the ladder alone. And every time he did something to slow himself down, Lance Archer is a monster. Lance, they do so well at keep Lance Archer hot. Even when he loses, it's like at any point in time, they could put the world title on Lance Archer and it would be completely believable because they keep him looking like a monster at all time. I do think Scorpio Sky was the right call. I, uh, you know, the whole Ethan Page coming in thing, uh, you know, didn't make me look at it. But I was, I've been kind of like, I know Scorpio, I guess, is kind of hurt. He's been having back issues or something like that, which I learned last week. Uh, so that might have been why he's not on there. I just think he's a huge piece going forward uh, for AEW. So him versus Darby should be an exciting match. All right. We can now move into the surprise signing. And it was my fucking boy. I wanted it to be him so bad. I was so happy that it was him. (laughs) Christian Cage. Oh, my God. Like, when they said, like, future Hall of Famer, the only only person I could go to my mind with was Christian. Because I don't know anybody who has gotten, like, so much talk of, like, why is he not in the Hall of Fame? And the fact that Christian signed with AEW, huge. I genuinely think, like, after... Because, I mean, after seeing him appear in the Rumble and have that wonderful moment with Edge, which, honestly, like, people looking back at it, it was almost like a goodbye now, thinking about it. It was so good to see him sign. I'm just, like, I can only hope that they really put a lot of... um, work with him to work with a lot of younger guys i think i know there's still room for him to i think possibly be champion i know i don't want people to think he's like gone full part part-time or anything i think he's still got plenty of stuff plenty of uh, gas in the tank but i do think having him work with a lot of the younger guys i think him and darby would be crazy fun to watch i think there's still a lot of time for him to do um i feel like it's going to be like straight heel because i think christian cocky i think is the best kind of cock uh christian so but yeah, no, huge pop for Christian. I was so happy when it was him. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, guys, thoughts on Christian Cage signing with AEW? 
Well, uh, if I can run point here real quick. As always. I would. <laughs> All righty. Uh, I would start off by saying I, too, am a bit of a uh, mark for I'm a, I'm a part of the population. I love Christian Cage. I loved Christian Cage in his TNA run. I loved Christian's ECW run. I liked his his feud with Orton in 2011. I like some stuff he's done since then. Look back to SummerSlam 2013 if y'all want to go into the archives while you still have them. His his match versus Alberto Del Rio. Very good serviceable mid-card match for sure. Um, him signing with AEW, I think the statement is not necessarily in the asset that he provides, but the statement rather is in the fact that like this guy was on this guy was in the Royal Rumble and in a fairly prominent spot, you know, six weeks ago, and he just signed with AEW. He just showed up on their program six weeks later. Um, also, I did look because I'm like, how old is Christian? I, c- I come to find out, whoa, he's he's 47 years old. So, I mean, I wonder, you know, exactly. And I don't want to sound like an ageist or anything, but it's like, well, what are they going to do with him? Uh, surely they wouldn't necessarily put the world title on him, although I would like to see that. I, I don't know that a lot of the fan base would necessarily. I wouldn't hate it. I would love to see him become a seven-time world champion because, yes, the ECW championship is a world championship. But, no, seeing Christian here uh, probably – and I'm glad we're talking about it again because it reminded me I need to go to PWTs. I need to order a shirt. Yeah, no one out worse him. All right. Uh, there's a few things on Christian because uh, this has been unfortunately somehow controversial. Uh, <laughs> him getting signed. First of all, I think AEW set him up for failure by doing the whole "we're going to announce this Hall of Fame cat uh, client uh, person." So it set up the idea of people thinking CM Punk, Brock Lesnar, every other WWE wrestling superstar ever who might not be under contract and who isn't in the WWE currently in the WWE hall of fame. That was, can I say, can I say real quick as a CM Punk fan, you guys need to stop. You guys need to genuinely stop the amount of times that people go like CM Punk's coming back to wrestling. It's been over seven years. Like you gotta stop. So it's been the exact same amount of time. Christian has been gone. I mean, at the same time, though... <laughs> I'm just saying, you say it's been over seven years. It's been over seven years since Christian wrestled. You need to stop, man. You got you to gotta quit it, man. As a CM Punk fan, I'm tired of people bringing him up because then, like, all of a sudden, then the mind comes, the thought comes into my mind. I'm like, get that shit out of my mind. He's getting old. He can't wrestle anymore. He's doing movies. He's happy with his wife. I'm like, I can't pull myself back into that because I, I don't know I, how I would react if I saw I, him in a wrestling I, I kind of got suckered in because he's doing the wrestling TV show with Stephen and Mel. I was thinking that is true. maybe he got the itch again being around it. And I was like, maybe, you know, maybe it's him, you know. And But it just set up Christian. Very respectable, very big signing. And if they just announced it that night without all the week, you know, one week buildup on who it may be, I think everybody's excited about it. But because everybody got to build up all their thoughts in their head and speculate, even me, I was like, it's Christian, it's Christian, it's Christian, it's Christian. Well, maybe it might be, it might be Brock Lesnar. Like towards the end of the show, maybe it might be Brock Lesnar. Maybe it might be Okada, because I'd heard that name too. And it was just like, <laughs> I, 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 doubt started creeping in because 
Mm-hmm. And then there was a site that reported that he had signed a new deal with the WWE. So then I was like, well, I guess I am wrong. And then Christian comes out, and I'm like, okay, why did I ever think anyone else? You know, why did, why did I ever think anyone else? And like I said, I was happy because I love Christian. I am, I'm, I'm a peep just like the both of you. But there is people that aren't as high on Christian. To some people, he'll always be the Janetti of the NC. And they won't ever give him his respect. Oh, well, the one weirdest thing complaint I've had is that they have AEW now has too many good wrestlers. Now, <laughs> now, I, I was like, I was, I was laughing. I was like, man, they, they shouldn't have made uh, Avengers, right? There was too many good actors, right? In-game, in, in, in Infinity Wars, in-game never will work. Too many stars. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. the fuck are you talking about? And, like seriously? You know, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> One thing I will add, I know because I know TK has paid out to use that freaking Tarzan boy song, which personally I hate, but it seems to be pretty over with people at Daily's place. So yeah, come on, cool, man. I guess. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not a fan, okay? Because I associate that with again being on the Hero Cast. I associate that with one of the worst movies I've seen. Uh, TMNT three was not a fan. Oh yeah, that, that was in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, TK obviously he he can pay uh, uh, you know to license certain songs when he wants to. So I would request license out "My Last Breath" by Evanescence. You've already got a remix of the instrumental, so just just pony up a little bit i'm sure amy lee isn't asking amy lee isn't asking anything huge for it i assume so just pony it up and and get the rights man i sec i second that boy that opinion too but also so, uh, uh, i need you to I quit w- trying to take away money money from our boy mikey ruckus <laughs> friend of the show mikey ruckus you let him do his thing <laughs> All right. Well, and also, I'm gonna go again on what Floyd said too about that that, that complaint you said. How AEW has too many good wrestlers. There's a difference between having too many good wrestlers on your roster and having so many good wrestlers on your roster and only utilizing certain people. And this will be my only small jab at WWE because it is a genuine thing that I want them to improve at. Where like you have one of the greatest wrestling rosters to date, and yet you're pushing stuff like. Shane McMahon versus Braun Strowman at WrestleMania. So, like, that's that's when having a strong, massively de- deep roster can backfire if you're just not going towards those guys. Which is why I'm saying I want people like Christian to be used. I want people like Pac to be used. I do love the fact that the Seidels are there, and I want people like Paul White to have fun stuff to do, and I want Sting to be able to do stuff um, as like that kind of like that he can do. Like, I want everybody on the roster to be utilized to the best of their potential. But I feel like there's a difference between like having too many guys on the roster and not using any of them except for the people you like and what AEW is doing, just building up their roster and making it crazy strong. But that's my thought. Mm-hmm. And again, this is an AEW podcast. So what you, what you expect? <laughs> we then get the street fight, which as we all discovered, it was cinematic. Um, I want to say first, before we even talk about the match, with it being cinematic, were you guys disappointed being at the show, not getting to actually see Sting, Darby, Brian Cage, and Ricky Starks? I was not disappointed. Only thing I was disappointed about, we were in Section 301. 
uh, mm-hmm. when we were to the extreme right stage, uh, stage left, if you're looking at the stage, uh, we only could see half of the screen because of the camera and setup. So this match, we largely missed, and I watched it as soon as I got back to the hotel. But I wouldn't have mind watching it if we could see it clearly. We just couldn't. It was like stuff would happen, and I, the guy two spots from me that had a better view, I'd be like, I had to ask him what just happened, and I had to be that annoying fan that's watching the show with someone asking them what's happening because I just couldn't see it. Yeah, that's a shame. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. for everyone who watched up, oh, go ahead. Uh, sorry, I was just going to say real quick, I can't comment on the match because, again, didn't get to watch it at the show. And then yesterday, me and Floyd were driving, and today I was just too busy to even be able to carve out the 10 minutes somehow. So, unfortunately, I can't add feedback to this match. Okay, so we'll just go me and Floyd for this since he went back and watched it. Um, I got to say, like, obviously there's a lot of stigmatisms on wrestling fans' opinions on cinematic matches. Um, I thought it was weird for me. I honestly felt like the inclusion of the commentary made it better just because it didn't feel like it was just utterly silent and had like just the background music and the fighting. I liked the inclusion of the commentary. It just made it feel a lot more natural despite it being cinematic and edited and all that kind of stuff. But I enjoyed this match a lot. Like I felt like it wasn't. I don't think it was on the quality of something like with the Boneyard match or the Firefly Funhouse match. I mean, that match is a completely different beast in itself. So to compare this with that is like not even fair. But comparing it to the Boneyard match, I don't know if it necessarily topped it, but I do think it could compete with it. I think this was really strong. I especially loved the spot of just Darby fucking flying off of the second balcony of the the little warehouse they were in and just going straight fucking through uh, Brian Cage. I thought that was just such a huge, huge spot. It looked great. Um, The toss also of the aluminum baseball bat from Darby to Sting was great. And when he got the bat, there was, I felt that there was so much fire behind it. I thought I heard, I could hear crowd, the crowd getting into it from what the little that I could hear. Um, I do think, like we all said, um, it was a good match, and I liked Sting and Darby going over. There needs to be some serious soul-searching on what the hell to do with Team Taz, because they have lost way too much. Like, there's there's no... there's Like, with all the guys that they have in Team Taz, there's just no fire behind it, because they never win. So, there needs to be a new, a new storyline for Team Taz where they can just fucking run roughshod, because at this point, there's just no fire behind them. That's the only critique i have and that's just because like just there's a lot of good guys in team taz like i think ricky starks especially has great upside with like his character and like just his egotistical side and i mean brian cage is a beast but and of course powerhouse Hobbs. let's not forget he made an appearance in the match and he was a beast too so you've got good guys on that team but they just don't win so you need to like give them a storyline where they can really succeed and that's really my only critique but floyd your thoughts Oh, did I lose Floyd? Uh, maybe he muted himself. I don't know, man. Uh, let me check my show. Oh, he just got on a call. Sorry, he just appeared. So I will just say, um, I should bring this up to you, Caleb. Do you think Team Taz is in a point of like just like they just need like a full like revive? Like they've just they they've 
they're currently in the gulag and they need to fucking win their fight in order to get back on TV and be dominant. Because at this point, I just don't know. Like, like you just they need to win. They just need to win. Yeah, I would say um, one solution they could come up with hypothetically, they could have Team Taz literally like they they could just have Taz be like, okay, you guys like we're leaving. Like we will come back when we're ready. Put them in silence for like a month, maybe two months, and then have them come back and just beat the shit out of someone. Be it whoever the TNT champion is at the time. Be it a challenger to Kenny Omega. Be it, you know, an upper mid-card babyface. Doesn't matter. Uh, so they can start, like, a stable war of some sort. But, yeah, they definitely need... Uh, wins could help, but at this point, I think leaving TV altogether for at least a month would give them a chance to reset and possibly be better for it, you know? So I just go on to a full reset and just instead of instead of just like putting them in a storyline immediately to get like some wins back, you just think you should just they should just go away for a bit. Uh, honestly, and that may be a little lazy, lazy booking, but yes, I, I do think that would be the best course of action I here. I don't even think it's necessarily lazy because I mean, like it worked for Dark Order because when Dark Order went away and they came back with the whole build towards the exalted one and Brody Lee, like that was getting to the point of where people started actually understanding like dark order and seeing them on being the elite. And that's when they really started to get over. So, I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's definitely not a bad idea. I do think like if they got to do something with them at this point though, because like there's just Taz is way good, too good of a manager. I mean, Brian cage is fucking insane with his strength and, Ricky Starks has some real good upside with his character development. I feel like if he can just really hone in on that and then powerhouse Hobbs is also really strong. I think there's just too much upside with team Taz members, even hook, honestly, even he could do okay, depending on if they use him. Right. I don't know if they're going to use him at all though, besides just a couple appearances, but there's too much upside with team Taz to just let him fall by the wayside. So I would think they got to do something with him at least uh, after this match. But we got Floyd back from his call. Floyd, thoughts yes. on this match? Yes, sorry about that. Um, oh, good. I didn't I, check my Twitter. Oh, uh, dude, uh, when I got to watch the video, it was perfectly done. It was amazing. Hook, Hook was to me, I wouldn't say the star, but he was the surprise of it. You know, you got to see him outside the hoodie, and there's a base there, there's a physique there. And, you know, I mean, he's training to wrestle, but it's like I said, you see him fully covered in the hoodie and everything. So it's like, okay, you see some potential there. Uh, Sting looked great, exactly how they needed him to look. Uh, the idea of them all dressed in the Stinger paint looks way, oh, great. I still gotta say, I I, uh, I still gotta say, um, they needed Taz team should have won. They should have won. Darby should have took the pin or something because I love. I know that it was Sting's first match back and he should win, but there is no heat behind Team Taz. If I had a favorite wrestler in TT, I would hope Team Taz would attack him because I know he's gonna win like his next six matches. They are, yeah, well, like, they, they are, uh, yeah, they are the most overly hyped jobbers ever because they just do nothing but lose in the big matches. So, well, like, well, so going on with what we were talking about, like, cause Caleb was talking about how, like, you might want to just take them off TV for a little bit. I was saying maybe put them in a storyline immediately after this and like, have them be vicious, have them be dangerous, have them be like dominating. 
Yes. Um, like, what do you think they should do with them at this point? Because something needs I, to be done. I, I have the perfect solution, I believe. They need to fight a, a face team that can lose and nobody cares, and that's the Dark Order. They need to feud with the Dark Order. Uh, like Reynolds, Silver, Evil, just like the kind of mid to lower members of the Dark Order. They could win every match. John Silver can lose every time, and it not affect his po- popularity e- either way, but it would make people hate Team Taz. So they need to get in a smaller feud that they can win. Okay. I would have said OC and the best friends, but, you know. No, nah, I wouldn't do it with them. The trend is out, and they just lost the feud, technically. So you yeah, don't want you don't want your faces losing you don't want your faces losing two foods and feuds in a row. But the yeah. Dark Order are the most beatable team in AEW because whether they win or lose, everyone still loves them. All right, now, Whoo boy, you know what it is? It's the main event. It's the AEW World Championship <laughs> match defended in the exploding barbed wire death match. AEW World Champion Kenny Omega versus John Moxley. Now, I need to preface this because I know, considering like tweets we've gotten in the past, we need to preface this. I feel like if anyone is going to say that like we're defending AEW like too much or whatnot, first of all, this is an AEW podcast. The fact that you're not realizing this doesn't really make any sense. Second of all, I think people, and I've seen people realize this, honestly, everything up until after the match was great. I really, honest to God, truly believe that. The explosives on the ropes worked so well, and it looked vicious. These guys beat the hell out of each other. Kenny Omega and John Moxley put on a fucking extreme wrestling clinic. And even necessarily the spot of the three layers of hell outside of the ring, despite the fact that they were just normal fireworks, it still worked because, I mean, like, you had the barbed wire on top of that and the image of Moxley that the camera guy got after that that uh, paradigm shift off of the apron worked really, really well. But we have to talk about the finish because the Good Brothers came in. They helped out Kenny Omega, got him a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire he swung it it was loaded with explosives which was probably the coolest effect of the entire night that was fucking insane he then hit the one-winged angel on john moxley which will also say he hit one earlier on john moxley but his boot hit the barbed wire covered rope triggered the explosion which then caused uh kenny omega to hop off so he technically didn't kick out but he stopped the, the three count which was really really well done but he hit him the second time with the one-winged angel after that exploding barbed wire bat, and that was the pin. And honestly, if the timer stopped there, I don't think anybody would have said anything except for the fact that why did you say the whole ring was going to explode when you didn't even have that happen? But the announcer said, clock is still ticking. There are no fail-safes. After that, the Good Brothers handcuffed John Moxley in the ring, and then the timer pi- appeared on the, on the, on the Titantron. And started counting down from two minutes and after they all leave all of a sudden when it gets about 30 seconds eddie kingston comes down to the ring and i swear to god this was my favorite part of the show when i saw eddie kingston i was genuinely moved a guy that had gotten the shit kicked out of him by john moxley they were former friends that were just completely they hated each other's guts 
after seeing his friend in such a state, he couldn't stand by and do nothing. He actually went out of his way and tried to help John Moxley. I was so that spot and that character development from Eddie Kingston was genuinely one of my favorite part of the show. He couldn't get John Moxley out of the ring. He couldn't get him to come to, and he couldn't get him out of the ring. So he did the only thing he thought of. He covered his body over John Moxley. Three, two, one. And you know what happened. Sparklers, <laughs> pyro about the size of Cody Rhodes' pyro. I, 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 from the crowd. I, I think Cody Rhodes' pyro would have definitely been more of a, would have been an upgrade from what we got. Yes, yes it would have. Uh, honestly, honestly, that explosion. And the match was great. Okay, first and foremost, the match was great. Uh, I had heard from some people that, oh, on TV, the explosions in the match didn't look good. They look good in person. They look good in person. Um, yeah, we had a now, few jumping moments when they happened. It was yeah. like like they came out of nowhere, especially the kick out where he mm-hmm. kicked out and exploded. I was like, whoa, I didn't see that one coming. Yeah. 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 Uh, now, not only that, like, okay, when we got to the – and, you know, you did a great job describing the the character development there of Eddie Kingston. And <clears throat> that should be what we're talking about here. Uh, but because of the dud, and it's that's an apropos description, the dud of the final explosion, we're not talking about that. We're instead talking about uh, a Shockmaster level Wrestle Crap ending to a pay-per-view. Uh, that I thought, okay, the explosion looks so bad. I was like, did they add something in post that the TV crowd seeing that we're not? Even though the show is live, that's the first thought that went through my head. But uh, yeah, hopefully they learn their lesson and uh, maybe, possibly, never do this match again. It was it was different. It was a risk for them doing so. I commend mm-hmm. them for that. I have yeah. I have to start with how good the match was. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, the exploding barbed wire match. The actual match that ended with the three was perfect. There was mm-hmm. nothing wrong. It was exactly as dangerous it is as it needed to be. It didn't get to an uncomfortable level of danger where you're just hoping it's over. It, that part was great. Uh, the blood, you know, uh, Kenny actually not being able to beat him, uh, That that was great. I did hate the fact that John Moxley again. This is uh, this is this is just professional. Uh, this is just professional wrestling. Uh, but John Moxley knew Kenny Omega had the Good Brothers, and mm-hmm. he did nothing to, you yeah. know, safeguard against that. He had nobody helping him. So I mean, that's besides the point. That's been professional wrestling literally since the first day I watched it. I always hated. That's why I've always rooted for heels because. Faces have no <laughs> friends. Uh, but So the match ends. Great. Go off the screen. Mm-hmm. I think most people say that was a really, really good pay-per-view. Well, we got the moment. We got the smoke. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say the thing that no one expects me to say. It was horrible. <laughs> it was yeah. the worst thing in AEW history. It was the Shockmaster moment. It was because it, was it didn't go off how it was supposed to. I'm going to say, don't compare it to anything that went off how it was supposed to and sucked. 
You can't compare it to the Bailey and Sasha. This is your life because they presented that. Ex- you they presented that exactly how they wanted to. Pre- no, I got an even better one. I got an even better one. You can't compare this to Hell in a Cell 2019. Yes, because that went off exactly the way they wanted to. This was live TV and a failure. Yes, yeah. send out your memes, make fun, laugh. It oh, was, I laughed my yeah, ass off. When it I saw was. It. Horrible. I I scroll through it. I am not going to be the one to tell you that AEW shouldn't be made fun of for this because they should be made fun of for this. It was mm-hmm. a fuck up. But yes, we then Wednesday comes. Then Wednesday comes and it's over. You know what I mean? They're gonna try yeah. to pivot as much as they can. But it happened. The worst thing you can do is try to pretend like it didn't happen. Lean into it if that's what you're going to do. Okay. Like like with yeah. like after Mox said uh cut a promo saying <laughs> Kenny Omega is a tough son of a bitch. Best wrestler in the world, whatever. But he can't make an exploding ring worth of shit. That was great. If yeah. I only thing that I that would have saved it to me if Eddie Kingston hadn't sold for ten minutes. Yeah, I, so know, I, 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 I know. Everybody's yeah. I know he. I'm never going to blame him because Eddie Kingston is a professional. Hey, mm-hmm. the Booker says go out there and sell it. You sell it no matter what. Do you know how many times yeah. people have clearly missed their finishers and gotten a three or somebody threw a punch and then they acted like they were knocked out. That's pro wrestling. It's. I mean, he did his job. We literally saw yeah. that with with Evil Uno later earlier yeah. in the night. Yeah, I yeah. wish Mox or somebody would have whispered in his ear, "Stop mm-hmm. selling, <laughs> stop yeah. selling it. Get up, shrug yeah. your shoulder, like what the fuck, and move on, and, and make it a funny moment. Like, oh, <laughs> that was on purpose. Because if you did something like that, if Kingston would have jumped up after it went off and like, what the fuck was that? And then yeah. he helped Moxley off and walk. Everybody would have thought it was on purpose and laughed. But he sold it for 10 minutes. And he that <laughs> clearly stated that it was a fuck up. But like I said, laugh. Enjoy it. I hope I hope they do it again and get it right the next time. I am not a oh it didn't work this time never do it again person. Shit, some sometimes shit doesn't work. I say get a warehouse and make sure it works the next time <laughs> and blow up a ring or do whatever the effect that was supposed to be. Do that or shit maybe a Wednesday on Dynamite. Kenny uh, Mox comes out and tries to talk about Kenny. Kenny comes and attacks him and then they blow up the ring. If they want to do it, or you just move past it. Like I said, it was a fuck up, but it's live TV. If this was mm-hmm. a recorded thing, and they just like, oh, we wanted you to see this on purpose, I'd be laughing. Yeah. I mean, I'd even laugh even more, but they wanted something to happen, and it didn't. And yeah. that sucks. And uh, real quick, um, you know, failures are going to happen, not only, you know, in wrestling, but in life. Um Austin, you're you're exercising. You're doing a body transformation thing right now, aren't you? Because I know I am as well. Correct? Yeah, I've been doing a lot of running and a couple of um, like intensity, like interval trainings and stuff like that. But mostly running. See, yeah, I'm uh, doing something similar. I do a lot of weight training and uh, hit cardio, as you alluded to. And you have bad days on those, right? The occasional bad day, right? Oh yeah, no, I was supposed to work out today, but I just like didn't do shit. <laughs> Okay, but that being said, like, have you just given up? 
I've had yeah, on a couple of runs I had to like stop running and like it was well, like well no I meant prayer. like I meant like have you just given up in general? You're just like oh well I had a bad week I'm not running anymore. I mean yeah that, I've had that thought for sure yeah I don't think I've done mm-hmm. it yet but I've had that thought all the time. But but you've got past it right? You've kept yes going. yes yes yeah exactly. And that's what AEW is going to do here. And the fact that me of all people and Floyd can attest to this in the uh, social suplex group chat, I don't really give AEW much rope, but yeah, they screwed up, but by God, they put on one of the best shows I've ever seen in my opinion. And this may be live bias, but one of the best shows I've ever seen. And let's call it hereditary syndrome. Cause when I saw hereditary, I was like, wow, 90% of that was really good. But the ending kind of came out of nowhere. It was really weird. Wasn't a fan on first viewing, went back, watched it again uh, about a year later. Really impressed. Anyway, like I said, you were I was impressed by 90 percent of the show. Portions of Twitter, probably impressed by 90 percent of the show. But that very end, they just decided, well, that sucked. So the show had to suck because we saw it on Twitter and it was ridiculous. And I'm going to be honest because, okay, again, me coming to the defense of AEW, it's not common. Okay, but when I see bullshit like what I saw on Twitter, I'm going to call it out. Yeah, and honestly, dude, and I I had this thought after the the show was over and like because I know after the show was over and during the media scrum, Tony Khan once again, like leaned into it like John Moxley did about um, Kenny Omega. Thank God Kenny Omega's plan didn't work the way that he was planning on it. And then he was also like. It's an exploding death match. We can only do such so much without actually hurting the guys like really badly. Mm-hmm. I I came up with a bit of a alternative option they could have gone with to avoid the image that the show ended on. And I, I want to get your guys' thoughts on it because it, it was running through my mind because I thought this could work for the live crowd and for the people Ooh. at home. And it would have been able to get the point across without worrying about a true botch, at least in my thought. So... What if after Eddie Kingston covered up John Moxley, keep all of that? That was amazing. And then as the timer goes three, two, one, and it hits zero, the lights go out. And then there's just one loud mortar. And then it just stays dark for a little bit. You could even have after the mort like at the same time as the mortar shot, you could have the normal fireworks that you would normally have around the ring, like with the with like a Cody Pyro or something like that. And you could all be in front of the ring too, because like it's dark. And at the same time that Daly's place, uh, like arena is set up where like almost everyone for the most part is facing the front of the ring. So it works that way. And then after the lights are off for a little while and just a few seconds go by after that mortar shot lights come back on. And it's as if like, you know, when the ring gets destroyed, when big show and, uh, Brock Lesnar do a superplex. It's like that. The ring's just torn apart. It just it just completely collapsed, and the lights come out, and Eddie Kingston and John Moxley are motionless. You don't get the image of like sparklers. You don't get to see how close the fireworks truly were to them. So it avoids the fact of like you can't like see how much they got hurt. So that's just a thought I had. I I felt like yeah that was great if they just. If they rigged the ring like they did when, you know, Big Show and Brock Lesnar went through it, and, you know, you have the smoke sparklers in the ring just collapses, I think that gives the image that everybody was needing. What they wanted to happen didn't happen, so I don't know if it was the right thing or not. 
Yeah. No, again, it's just something I had. No, I, 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 I absolutely is that it didn't yeah. work. I absolutely loved what you said because that sounds perfect. But maybe in essence, that was what they were going for. I don't know. I don't know what they were going mm. for. It's like I'm yeah. very, I'm very interested to find out what. Like, I would love to sit down with Tony and be like, okay, so what was his plan? But it's smart not to tell us what the plan, what, what the plan is, because you might want to use it later. For something else, you might have the warehouse where you can, uh, you know, workshop this and then, you know, actually do it the correct way. So, yeah, I wouldn't tell anybody what I had planned at this point because now you can use it later when people might not be expecting it. All right. But that was AEW Revolution. I know it's I, I would I would highly suggest to people to if the show felt ruined by the final moment i un, at this point i understand if the match was ruined for you i get it i truly do i don't agree with it but i can understand if the match was ruined for you if the whole show was ruined for you i i urge you to watch what happened before that again because i feel like there were too many good matches on that card to like just toss out the whole show as bad so we can now go into our little dynamite preview for tomorrow, March 10th. We have Matt Jackson taking on Ray Phoenix in singles competition. I am all for the Young Bucks and I I like cuz remember from last year where we had uh I be- it was Nick and uh Penta, right? Or was it Nick and Phoenix? Uh it was Nick and uh, uh it was Nick and uh Phoenix and I called it the best at that time the best opening match in Dynamite yeah, history. That was my so, that was my that was my mindset from the moment this match was announced. We get to see another Young Buck versus Ray Phoenix and it's going to be insanely fucking good. Ethan Page will have his first Dynamite match against Lee Johnson. We're going to hear from Christian Cage. We're going to get that six women tag match that we saw after the end of the uh, women's title match. It'll be Britt Baker, Maki Ito, and Nyla Rose versus Sakara Shida, Thunder Rosa, and Ryo Mizunami. The Inner Circle War Council and then Scorpio Sky will be using his uh, face of the revolution, I guess Sonic the Hedgehog brass ring, uh, <laughs> to take on Darby Allen for the TNT title. Yeah, um, I'm really looking forward to the show. Darby and Scorpio, I'm, you know, right now, is face versus face. So, I mean, I've heard a lot of people predict the Scorpio heel turn. So I'd like to see what they do uh, with it. Uh, is it, is this building up for one match? Is this building up for a feud? Is Scorpio going to get extra frustrated because he loses again? I don't know what they're going to do with that, but I am looking forward to how these two work together. Cause you know, I mean, Darby does have an unorthodox style he does the whole selling the whole match, and it's usually just against super much larger opponents. Scorpio Sky, very athletic style, so I like to see how that uh, matches up. Uh, I'm really excited about Ethan Page, what's going to be his finisher, him being an asshole and everything. And then we get the next steps with the MJF, uh, the War Council, and I wonder if this is when Sammy Guevara shows up. So that's exactly what I was going to ask because I miss, I like, I miss Sammy so much, and I want him to show up very, very soon. So, Caleb, any thoughts of what we're going to see on Dynamite tomorrow night, or as this show comes out uh, tonight? So, with okay, 
uh, Ethan Page against Lee Johnson. I believe QT is going to be in the corner, if I'm not mistaken. And I think that is just another going to beat us over the head like, hey, QT is leaving the family. Um, now, that being said, I am really excited to see Christian Cage and hear what he has to say. Because that was my one disappointment from his uh, segment on the pay-per-view was that he didn't actually say anything. Now, okay, pardon me. He didn't speak. He did say something. He said something when he showed his shirt and it said outwork everyone. But to actually hear him speak and cut a promo and state his hopefully state his intentions in the company, that will be very exciting. Uh, again, I alluded to it earlier. I think the War Council is purely there to facilitate the breakup. Could be wrong on that, but, you know, things happen. Darby and Scorpio, I am really excited to see that. I really hope they hammer home that uh, Darby should be dead after what happened at the uh, street fight. And I think one of two things will happen, in my opinion. I think either Scorpio will win and maybe take a few shortcuts here and there to tease a, a heel turn. Or Darby will win maybe by roll up or whatever the case may be. And Scorpio will just get uh, again, Scorpio gets pissed and maybe not necessarily do the hard turn, but again, just, you know, poke and prod at the, the upcoming inevitability, you know? All right. Well, that's your little preview for dynamite that will be airing as this comes out tonight. And I think that'll do it for this special episode covering AEW Revolution. Special episode of All Things Elite. Big thank you to Caleb Baldwin of the Grave Consequences podcast here on Social Suplex. Again, Caleb, where can people find you on social media? Again, follow me at I am Caleb B. Check out also Eddie and Caleb Zerocast every Wednesday night right after AEW Dynamite and every Thursday morning at 6.30 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Check out the Grave Consequences Podcast. This week we have got Season 1, Episode 28 of Lucha Underground dropping. So that is something to look forward to. Austin, Floyd, thank you guys for having me on, and it has been a pleasure. We really appreciate having you on, and I hope you know in my heart I compare you to Paul White at all times, no <laughs> exceptions. Uh, and again, yeah. if you guys enjoyed the show, be sure to download it on Google or Apple Podcasts and share us around, whether you listen to us on Spotify, Google, Google or Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Give us a share. Leave a rating, a review. You can donate through Red Circle if you enjoy the show that much. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex is the guys that make all these amazing podcasts here on this network possible. I am at SZoomer4. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And now, until we hear from you again after Dynamite, we will be back this weekend. Uh, we're going to let Floyd take us home for this very special episode of All Things Elite. Uh, yeah, since this is a special episode, I want to give you a special thanks for listening to the show. Uh, thank Austin and Caleb uh, for uh, being with you, jumping on this week. And uh, we just hope you enjoy listening, and we'll be back with you this weekend. Uh, just remember, whether it is home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite.